Welcome once again to Living in the Past. Uh, we are a podcast that goes through the 90s one week at a time. Um, we usually do like a, a month run in our 94 season, but we're talking about an album today, an album that uh, I thought came out in 1995, <laughs> but it comes out in 1994. Who would have thought? Um, we're talking about... I am a fool. Um, that is Ben, my co-host. Thank you. Hello. Hey, Thanks for introducing uh, me. Just forget yeah. that I'm here constantly. Uh, look, you know, I wonder what would happen if I didn't speak at all, if you will just keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> if have I never seen, interrupted uh, you, no one would know I was here. And a Kevin Smith interview with like a person. It's like the, the, he doesn't answer any, ask any questions. He just keeps starts talking and then they go, go to ad. That's what I'll be like. Yeah. Uh, so th- we talk about Vitology. Um, obviously, Pearl Jam is a mutual uh, favorite band of, of, of both of ours. Um, we went, we did uh, Versus um, last year. And that's why I thought like, you know, it was 95 because it's usually every couple of years, um, at least in the 90s for Pearl Jam. But yeah, this one came out. Um, we were talking off mic just before about how um, you know it was. It's it's a it's, it's a bit of an odd duck when it comes to Pearl Jam albums for me. Um, but like, there's a lot of sort of experimental stuff. It's not like it's versus was such a huge thing. Like you know, made so many um, sold so many copies and and was very widespread. Um, when you first listened to this, when what 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 how old were you and and where were you when you first listened to this album? Uh, I would have been at least 14 or 15, I think. I probably... So I had 10 inverses, um, as you may remember, on each side of a cassette for a long yes. time, and that that's all I had. I feel like I avoided this one for a little bit because back when, you know, you're trolling the internet looking for Pearl Jam stuff, it wasn't highly spoken of. It kind of got forgot about in the early 2000s. No one really wanted to know. And it was kind of that divisive point of the old Pearl Jam fans and the new ones yeah I mean and I can I can offer one suggestion of why it might be like not in everyone's um like priority as, as a Pearl Jam album is because they can't fit it in their fucking CD tower because they made it <laughs> in a really weird shape and this is like something that they'll go on to do at least once more time one more time um yeah I had to I my copy of Autology um is in a CD, like a CDR case, um, in, in, in with my Pearl Jams, but it was like, it doesn't fit, like, when, back when I was using CD towers. Yeah. yeah you, was, and, and I think it was because, like, you know, Eddie was, like, at the big time, time was big into vinyl, I mean, still is, but, like, and I think that was kind of the way they wanted to make it, like, a square, because, like, they released it on vinyl first before they actually released it on CD, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. And it's still charted, I think, at number 55 with only its vinyl release. Yeah, which is, I mean, at that time, you know, we're not in our um, huge vinyl craze that we're in now. Like, people were not buying vinyl at this time. It was unheard of. It was, to, like, it obviously wasn't the thing to do. Like, CDs were huge. But according to MTV this year, in 93, 94, vinyl sales had doubled to, like, previous years. But previous years were probably like, we sold 10 vinyls this year. <laughs> we and the following year, they sold 20. Um, I mean, I know that a lot of punk um, uh, record labels were doing seven inches. Uh, so maybe like in that respect, I think um, the bands coming through at that time kind of started that nostalgia train of, um, we want to, and like, I'll, I'll admit, when the bands, 
I, that I've been in have released off on vinyl, it gives you an extra special feeling seeing your seeing your name and your music on a on a vinyl rather than a CD. Like, I mean, I, I got nothing against CD. I got nothing against like MP3, but like there is a certain um, uh, grandness you get to it when you when you see that nice vinyl and it's like, yeah, it's awesome. It seems so much more official. Like that's how music was supposed to be presented. Yeah. It's like because you know, like usually for us, like people like our age often the first time we encounter music is through a vinyl. Like, like I remember that's that a lot, there's a lot of vinyl in my, my, my house and also tapes and stuff. So like when you sort of go, Oh, you know, this is when your first thing you sort of chucked on a vinyl paper was like a Beatles or like a, um, or Billy Joel or Elton John record in my house. You're like, Oh, I'm doing the same thing that they did. And that's really big to me. So yeah. You know, uh, my, my first memories of vinyl are on like some weird plastic children's vinyl set with, weird like children's songs i got uh patsy biscuit <laughs> patsy biscuit was like mine she used to she's she's like a yeah you know, like a raffy sort of thing she just sang um children's uh nursery rhymes but yeah love patsy um my first my my uh memories of this is is that it's my first the spin the black circle single was the first non-Billy Joel CD I ever bought. <laughs> um, it was probably like my first foray into like buying the stuff that like was current that I'm listening to rather than like, you know, the sort of, like the last time I think I bought one, I think I remember, I think I said on the, on the podcast, I bought River of Dreams. But it's like, it's just, um, yeah, like I remember going, it was like some record store in the city that's that, or that's not there anymore, and and I bought the single because you know, I think it was like five bucks or something like that, and I had that, and they had Tremor Christ as the second song or the B side, but not really B side for a CD. Um, but yeah, and I still got that. I still do have that because that's 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 like I still hold that as the first like music for me that I bought. Do you remember? Does it say on the back of it um, by Epic from Life on it? I can't remember. I don't know if that's like a rare thing or if that's sought after or not, but I did read that because this was the first single and the album was going to be called Life, that they'd printed this single before uh, yeah, well, they changed yeah. any of it. You know what? I'll, at some stage, I'll dig it out of wherever it is and I'll, I'll let you know. Um, I remember the, the singles for this were great because like, they were in these, like, again, not CD Tower friendly uh, cardboard sleeves. Um, but I remember like, so the singles for this were, uh, like not for you, which had a, um, a version of Rearview Mirror by the Frogs, I think was the B side. Um, sure. And then, uh, I think there's an Immortality single. Um, and I can't, I know there's one more. There was not for you. You already said not for you. So not, few, not last. Exit? Oh no, not few. Not few had out of my mind live. So that was that one from the. Um, uh, I think it's from Portland. That was just before the shoe the shoeless. Uh, incident. Oh yeah. Um, and then immortality had. There's only there's only three singles yeah. on this though, right? Yeah, immortality was Ruby Mirror performed by a band called the Frogs. Um, um most notably, uh, Better Man was not released as a single. Just Which is as really Black weird. wasn't. Yes, yeah. Um, that's I mean, considering considerably like the, the the biggest song on this album, um, for like radio play and lots of stuff. Next to Corduroy. Yeah. Next to Corduroy. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really weird that it was never released as a single, and and I think like 
had to be on purposely so. <laughs> so um, it just seems like something that they would do just to sort of twist the screw. Same with um, Small Town on Versus probably could have and should have been a si- like that's all over the radio. Um, I found I found Go to be a very weird single for that album. Like I don't think like ma- a lot of mainstream radio would have been playing Go, but you know most of their um, singles are weird choices, and I, I believe it's all on purpose because they know what their catchy hits are, and yeah. you can see it from so. I found a website last night that tracks all the Pearl Jam shows you've been to, all the songs you've seen, how many times you've seen it, all that stuff. Oh. Better Man, I've been to 35 shows. Better Man has been at 26 of them. Last Exit has been at like eight. I find it weird that Better Man wasn't at every one of those shows. No, because <laughs> uh, think... they're little pricks like that and they won't give it to every single crowd. <laughs> I um, I don't think I've ever been to a show that um I haven't seen it at, so... Um... But yeah, I'll uh, I'll have to check out that site because I, I mean I've only I've only been to like what five of them so, um, but yeah like so let's get like so this is if you've never heard one of ours before we do we go through track by track um, we don't play it because um, you would get sued, um, <laughs> so we you know if you want to um, sort of pause it like so you can pause it and then um, play the song and then like you know, listen to our. Um, red hot on the go comments about uh you know 25 year old album um but yeah uh so we're gonna start off with last exit and i have to say as being a person that was uh quite into making uh mixtapes back in the day especially like if i found like a set list i'll try to like then um record the songs in order of the set list and all that stuff Having a little noodly jam at the start of an album before the <laughs> song kicks in is really, really annoying. It's nice though. I like it. I, it it's nice now. Back in the day, like it, it got me. It took me a long time to get over that because I was just like, "Oh god, it's annoying." Like, why would you do that? <laughs> Especially um, when it's, like, it's new and you wouldn't be as good as like hitting record right on when that drum actually kicks in. Yeah, I mean. Like, I got, I found ways around it. It's fine, but like it was just yeah. Um, so this is a really strong start on an album. It's actually one of my favorite songs um, of theirs, like like all together, like uh, for, like out of all Pearl Jam songs. Um, I think I've only seen it once live. It's just there's a the start of that um, that the drum the drums coming into it is just so immediate and so sort of um, especially after that little noodly jam. It's amazing, yeah, I love it. Uh, it is. I don't think Dave still gets enough respect for what he did on this album because although I don't think some of the members liked how technical he was, how, you know... I mean, I guess he's pretty extravagant with what he did, but yes. <laughs> this album especially, it fits so perfectly because everything about it is weird and kind of over the top, even if it's underwhelming like satan's bed is boring ads but it's still weird and you know uh so was he he was only was was he was david brazitz on every one of these tracks or just a few of them uh he did everything except stupid mop but i think there was one i can't remember what song it was they were using a drum track for okay um but then i think he still came in and did the actual drums for it because this is around the time if you don't know that um he was fired from uh stone went to a (laughs) Stone took him to a uh, a cafe and fired him, um, and which I still think like you know what like I you know my thoughts on Stone um, even in that PJ twenty 
I still feel like he's deflecting onto Eddie and Jeff, and I'm sure Lightstone was just as bad. Um, uh, <laughs> Land didn't like Dave Rupert's as much, but like, whatever. Because um, this is a very... Tr- yeah. I think Stone's always been like the nicest, calmest, probably appeasing one of them all. And that's why Eddie to the reins here, because Stone would just... I mean, my perception is that he would just be very sweet and taking everything on board... And although they call him the leader of the band, I don't think he's actually leading the band. Mm. He was just the most diplomatic one. Yeah, but also then he can be like a little bit um, sarcastic and 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 jerky um, in other songs. And I'm like, I don't know. I just because um, this is a time where like, um, where there was like a bit of a, a, a transference of power because um, Eddie wrote like a bulk of the songs. He started playing guitar a lot more. Um, and I don't know whether, uh, like I've, I've also heard, um, grumblings within the band. Cause at like, this stage, they've been touring a lot. They've been like, it's just been intense for like the last, what, like four years, um, or three years. So it's bound to come to a head. Um, I think this is when Mike McCready's like substance abuse or alcohol abuse, um, comes into play. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, went to his, it had his first, um, spot in, in rehab and all that stuff. And then they also had the Ticketmaster thing going on in the background um, where they were um, trying to, like, you know, um, not uh, be charged. Like the fans not be charged so, so much for coming to shows. And it's just, it's, yeah. It's quite unbelievable that they managed to release this album and tour it and stay together with only losing a drummer. Yeah. For all the yeah. things you read about this, and they don't talk about it very often. Um, like, you look up articles or interviews, and even now looking back on it, I don't, I feel like this is, you know, in your relationship and you have a big argument about something and you disagree, but you don't ever resolve it because you know, you're never going to compromise or agree on your disagreement. It's like agree to disagree sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen them and read about them talk about this and they all have the completely different viewpoints. Afterwards, I know Mike and Stone were not happy with the album. They were kind of disappointed. They didn't love it, but they all toured the album. They all continue to play songs from it. They've all remain friends and in a band together. Uh, Eddie doesn't think there was a hostile takeover and that was all just natural. He said, um, being the front man, he thought I was in the limelight. The songs were more representative of me, so I wanted control of what was being represented as. Um, and the others are like, ah, oh, yeah, Eddie just kind of came in, took over, wrote all the songs. They say it wasn't collaborative in this, but then they also know. say a lot of the songs were just jam sessions while they're on tour is that not yeah, like, what collaborating is worst thing is like apparently like a lot of them were recorded um within like an hour and um like the lyrics put to them sort of in an hour sort of thing so like you know it's and i mean I, I, you can't tell that from like listening to songs they sound like well-polished songs and and lots of stuff and then um but yeah i, I think in this time um it's only natural uh, for it to, and you can, you can, you can. I listening to it last this last week. This is very different from verses in in a way of um, you don't have that Jeff and Stone groove uh, for a lot of these songs. They are a bit faster. Like, I think Jeff, I'll mention in a second, was a song that he didn't like. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's like it is it's got a bit more of a punk mentality to it, or like a um, a rocker mentality rather than like a um, the grungy uh, Led Zeppelin ish Led Zeppelin ish sort of way that they did um, 
the first two albums. Um, that's yeah, and, and Stone has said, um, I think probably multiple times, he thought Versus was them finding their sound, finding their feet, and like this will be the future of the band. Yeah. And then this happens. But in saying that, getting back to Last Exit, I feel like this is a very Pearl Jam song. Like this could have been on Versus, this could have been on No Code. Yeah. yeah and I don't feel like I, this I one stands out in an ugly sort of fashion. Yeah. Um, moving on to the next one, though. This one was definitely a bit of a... I mean, I'd say, like, we're going to talk about Spin the Black Circle. Um, and they, they'd done Fast before they'd done Go, but this is probably, like, faster than, than they'd ever gone before. I think they, I think the original uh, tempo was much slower, and Eddie actually had a like had some sort of recording device where he could he could up the tempo, and he's like, can we do it like this? And that's when Jeff said, like, I don't want to play Dead Kennedys or something like that. He basically said, like, I don't want to... I don't want to um, be playing Dead Kennedys up on stage as Pearl Jam, and it's like, but like I also think that this is a really, really good song, um, and even that, and like this, this one really sort of set apart. I think though, this sort of punk mentality to like the grunge rock that they had sort of been used to. Um, but then again, like you got songs like Blood and Leash and and Go on on verses, and I think um, they still have that same mentality. That the, the tempo is just a bit different, so. Uh, do you I like feel like Black Circle? I do. It's weird comparing it to those songs because I there's a lot more. Uh, I don't want to say meaning, but there's a lot more meaning in those songs. I think for everyone. Yeah. This is. I can't imagine there's any metaphors or hidden message here. It's purely about playing records. Which is fine. <laughs> like I think. I think also like maybe Eddie's just like. There's another side that's not always like a huge big, um, you know, it doesn't have to be about these huge big sort of feelings and, and situations and stuff. Like sometimes it could just be like, this is what I like to do in my spare time. I like to play vinyl. Um, and like he, he goes, and he, he, I think he's wrote a couple more songs about the same thing. He's like, I really like vinyl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Um, Mike's been on record saying that he needs, he can't play this like sort of, um, in the first part of the set, he needs to be warmed up because he said like it's like the solo, especially, is just like is really intense on his fingers. Um, it's it's fun to play. It's one of the first songs I learned how to play from the record um, on guitar and bass. Like it's it's a very very fun song to play. It is good. Um, I've so going back to single releases. I've seen them play this six times, and it was okay. a single. They release this as a radio-friendly song, and I've seen it six times. I think which they released to me is it, odd. I think they released it as as a, like a an affront to like you know this is, they were basically saying like this is the, this is different. This is not versus. This is not daughter. This is not alive. Like this is how we're going now. Like can you imagine um, radio stations across like America unpackaging the new Pearl Jam single, not knowing what it is. Some of them maybe even playing on on air for the first time before they even hear it, and they're like. It's been like circle, okay, and it's just this like ferocious two and a half minute like slice of like noise, um, and it's nothing like um the Pearl Jam they'd heard before. I think that would have been hilarious, and I think that was exactly the way that the band wanted it. It's like let's make it just this punch in the face. Yeah, and it's not particularly grungy either. Like if you put that no. up to old Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Nirvana, it's, it doesn't really fit into that box. I um. 
Yeah, look, and they they won the uh, the Grammy for this one too. Like, I mean, it was like, yeah, you've seen it six times, and it's it's a Grammy award winning single. Like, they didn't win it for Vitology; they won it for this single. And uh, that's when um, he got he copped from some flack because he's like, oh, I don't know what this means. I don't think I don't think it means anything." <laughs> and um, and also, I always like uh, Jeff's interview in PJ Twenty. He's like, "Oh, your boy." <laughs> He's up there. He doesn't seem very happy about it. <laughs> just like, oh, no, this, this is exactly what, how we feel and stuff. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I. It's it, it. It was out of all the songs in this album to be like the Grammy award winning single. It's it is weird, but also a testament to how good this band is. Is just like it's always going to be like left turns, left hand turns, which is good. Yeah, I I, I appreciate it, and I, it's kind of a theme now. The albums kick off with like two just real punching songs and then he leads into uh not for you which is like it starts off sort of low-key but like it, it it's pretty ferocious towards the end and um definitely like when i first listened to this album um back in 94 95 this was the standout track for me i love this um i love i mean also being a uh, 12 year old and then having <laughs> that bit where he's like this is not for you fuck you this is not for you i mean oh my god can you imagine a teenager at that point <laughs> you don't think anything's for anyone else for anyone else except for you and it's just like and then he also bolsters that with the fuck you it's amazing <laughs> i loved it it's like this is my little and it was also one that i learned how to play uh early on and it's just it's fun to play this the, the lyrics are easy to remember and also resonate as well. Um, yeah, I wonder I if he song. had um, hunters and collectors in mind when this song came about, because I know that? he's a bit of a fan. Uh, the the song "Throw Your Arms Around Me." I don't know if that was out yet. Yeah, it would mean yeah, yeah. Should have been yeah. Um, I know he's a fan of them and a fan of that song. And how Mike Seymour went out is like, I want to write a simple three chord song that's catchy. Like, firstly, don't. Don't use that as your frame of mind. <laughs> um, but I wonder if Eddie kind of took inspiration from that with his simple three-chord song. Well, that's that the like, it, this the doesn't level. really... It's, it is it is like the same three chords the entire way through. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't sound like it sometimes. The bass is doing like a, like a really funky um, thing during the, like with um, some different chords. But it's at, at the essence, it's like... The verse and the chorus are the same. It's just the the volume and the intensity sort of ramps up. Um, did you find out much? Did you look into what this could be about, other than you know the pressures of media and his life? Or I only yeah, I always just assumed it was like um, you know it's not for the people who are um, kind of like the, I, I I see this in corduroy as as like songs about the same thing. Like it's not for the mainstream it's 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 for the people who are really sort of into what we're doing but i could be wrong that that's what i would have assumed but i always got a bit confused so the the verse starts out acting like these people are coming from nowhere um trying to take over his life and want to suddenly be a part of his life that weren't there before but then later he says my friends don't call so does he mean like his original friends have left him don't those friends usually Trying to take yeah. advantage of you in this situation? I'm not sure who he's talking about. Or maybe he's like, you know, like the people I knew before, I just, uh, like they just think that I'm too big for them now. Like, even if he's not, if he doesn't actually say that, like maybe they just assume that he's too big or maybe maybe he was told by a record company handler that they can't 
get in contact with him or whatever sort of thing. It's just like, you know, it would have been, would have been a huge amount of um, like yeah. difference to his life. Um, I'd, I remember a very good performance. Like, um, so one of the, one of the biggest things that happened um, for, in my, with Pearl Jam for me when I was a teenager was Triple J broadcast a, um, a show in Melbourne um, Life to the Wilds, but uh, Life to the Wilds basically uh, um, this entire show, and they played this song because it's a night. It was a Vitology tour. Yep. And I remember there was a bit in the middle where he's like, he gave, he gave out. It seemed like he gave out his hotel room number. <laughs> he says like room three hundred two or something like that. Like, um, and everyone was like going nuts. And I remember like because like <laughs> me and my friends recorded that show, and then like you know. Like like CSI detectors just broke down every little little little, little bit. Um, it's got the it's got the famous um, No uh, speech about the security guards. Um, oh, the NW. Oh no, wrote N- 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 yeah, and and like just like his his long thing. And I used to be able to recite every single um, thing that he said. Um, <laughs> but I probably can't now. Uh, but yeah, I remember not for you being just just huge, um, a huge sounding. My brother went to that tour too, and I remember him coming home and just saying that it was it was amazing. Um, and just uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, this song in particular has, has a lot of resonance for me. As a bass player, there's a bit at the end. The bass does this little uh, coda at the end where he sort yeah. of, um, and that's I've, I've told you about how there's certain songs you'd learn and you just think you're a fucking bass master. That was like, well, I could do that. Like, no, for and then this week I I I took my I blew the dust off my bass for a first for the first time in ages. And I I put that song on, and I could still nail it muscle memory. <laughs> I, and you like, were, I, so, I knew that, that was, was, when I saw that photo. I knew that that's what you've been doing. <laughs> it's just hard not to get back into it. Um, I just want to quickly brag again. Uh, I was lucky enough that this was played at my first ever Pearl Jam show. Ooh, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, and, and live it goes a bit faster too, which I, I really um, I really dig. So, um. Then, like you know, as as far as uh, um, pace goes, it sort of um, gets a bit weird because Tremor Christ is next, and that's a very weirdly timed song, in a way, and just a um, very haunting song. Um, I've always loved, I've always liked Tremor Christ. I've always got a lot of time for it. It doesn't sound that great live, from memory. <laughs> I think it's a it's a song that sort of has like a bit of a an ominous apparently the, when they recorded it like they said that it was like a very sort of dimly lit room it was in new orleans i think they recorded it um but yeah it's it's like the 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 guitars doing some sort of like this these minor chords that are just haunting but very very cool uh trying christ what do you think it, i don't i don't know it's this kind of for me sums up vitology it's just it's good but it's a bit weird but it's not weird weird it just it doesn't fit in with pearl jam but this is if i had to summarize vitology it would be the song tremor christ that's what i think of when i think of this album things that stand out it's a good song but it just doesn't fit in with anything else there's no real rhythm to it i don't know i feel like um do you do do you agree like that it sounds a bit weird a bit empty live yeah so i always thought not for you would i didn't think it would have like that, like insignificance live, it loses all of its oomph. Um, not for you, doesn't. But Tremor Christ, yeah, there's there's not enough going on in it. 
which I don't think there's like I think there might even be like a maybe there's like an organ or something in the background, but there just seems to be like you know even though like the the chords are doing this a ding, 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 like there's like there seems to be like a bit of oomph behind it, but yeah, it loses it at live, um, which is uh, I think yeah. so much of what made Ten and Versus great was the layers that Jeff Soda Mike would create. Yeah, and in this one, similar to Satan's Bed, I feel like they're all kind of just doing the same thing. There's yeah. Not- a lot and that's, going on. That could be the, what the um, recordings like in an hour, like loses. Like you do lose that, um, and then but then like for someone like Eddie, or you know um, other other fans of the band, they like, they might like the fact that there's been a little. It's a little bit less overproduced because um, like a lot of a lot of the criticism that comes for Ten, um, you know that we that we actually talked about I think on our 10 special is that it is a bit overproduced like there is a bit too much going on in each song like um you know some songs have like a bunch of different guitars doing sort of stuff and it's like this is a bit stripped back um which you know which I would agree with sort of thing like I, I, I kind of like both both styles but if I had guns in my head I'd probably go for this one over than like the first couple of albums and uh just I'm gonna have a silent brag for mostly songs but I've only <laughs> been able to see this song once Ooh. And it was in was Christchurch it? in 2009. But yeah, it's only been played 82 times across their entire career. The majority of that was across 95, 96. I, I, I kind of think that it might be in the same thing as in my tree of like, if they sort of re, re-jigged it, it might be not don't, too bad. Like no, a, don't, don't talk about in my tree. I like, I I like both versions. I like both versions. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go on to our first ballady one. We've got Nothing Man. Um, a song which I... Okay. I know people love this song. I don't really <gasps> like this song. I don't know why. I think it's mostly because I can't hit his um, his, his vocals on, on the third verse. It's just... And I've heard also... like <laughs> I've heard so many um, people try and hit it. And it's just... I, I don't even know how he's hitting it. Because he's he's a, he's like a, he's got a low voice, but that and I I I can I can match it for the first two verses, but yeah, there's something in that last verse I just cannot hit. It is that's hard. It. it is, but practice you get there. I used to take singing uh, lessons, and I would occasionally I'd be able to do it. Um, but it, it is it is tough. It is annoying. But yeah, it's such I, a good I, song. I, yeah, Go fuck I, yourself. This song is incredible, <laughs> and it's. It's like to me, it's a prequel to Nothing as It Seems because it's the music is so Jeff. It's yeah. clearly a Jeff song, but the lyrics are all Eddie, which is like the perfect combination. Whereas Nothing as It Seems, Jeff wrote the lyrics mostly as well. It's like, uh, I can tell you're just rhyming weird words now, Jeff. Stop it. He likes um, he likes a good F song. <laughs> I think here's a couple. Of, I think yeah. Pilots an F. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I knew that you would um you would have a go at me about this, but um, I just uh, for some reason I just don't I don't dig it that much. It's uh, I I don't even know what to say. It's it's one of my favorites. It's always been one in, of my favorites, and it I think because I was probably going through not a great time when I found this album, and along with release, this is one of those songs that just really hits in a good spot. Yeah, I I think it's well. I don't want to I don't want to like rip on it if it's your favorite song. So I'm not going to say what my problem is with it. <laughs> no, no, um, go for I, it. That's why we're here. No, I find I find I don't. I should like the bridge, but I don't like the bridge that much. Like I find it a bit sort of um, uh, 
Bon Jovi-ish or something like, that. like you know, a bit like sort of like um, I don't know. It sounded a little bit. I don't want to say mainstream, but it's just yeah. I I I'm, I'm not a big fan of. It's a little um, bit lightning crashes. Little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. That sort of um, Matchbox Twenty-ish type sort of thing, just. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but as yeah, I've always been the minority. I've always I'm not the first person to um to to tell me to fuck off. <laughs> um, Nothing, man. <laughs> to add to it though, so I love this from when I first listened because it stands out on this album. It stands out probably more than Better Man to me. It's just a nice, earnest, just sweet song. But the first time I saw them do this, they came out for the encore, did Low Light, Off He Goes, and then Nothing Man. Nice. Like, how are you not going to fall in love with that song even more when you, <laughs> when you put those together? Um, also, part of the they used to do the the Man trilogy. They used to do like this and was it Leather Man and Better Man? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of that. They don't go together. <laughs> no, they do not. They do not. Um, let's get so after the um, after the ballad, they they get straight back into the, like the the punkiness, and we got whipping, which is. Um, I always like these earlier albums when they start wearing their politics on their sleeve because although like you would know like any the average Pearl Jam fan would know where they stand, this one in particular um, was just right out there for everyone to see and and I, and I love it. It's it's great and it's such a good one. I hate to sound like a dweeb, but to know all the words to this is quite satisfying. <laughs> yes, and to go along with it, did we, I think did we cover this once as well? We did, yeah. When we do now thing yeah the, the old Brecknock days yeah um, um yeah it's such i've actually heard um a couple of times i've seen it mike has just been running laps of the stage because apparently he finds this song so boring that he needs to keep himself entertained because it's three <laughs> chords like just over and over and over and over and over i don't think he even has a solo does he no. Nah, he's he, he. I think he sort of noodles a little bit sort of towards the end, but it's not. There's no flat out solo. Yeah, um, it's also it, it was basically one. I remember it was one of the ones from um, back in my uh, unauthorized bootlegs from Cunningham's Warehouse cheap store days um, <laughs> of the Atlanta show. This was one of the three songs that was no four songs that they uh, was that was on Vitology that they played. So they played this um, Satan's Bed, Better Man. And I believe not for you. I'm not sure. Um, so this was written, I think, well before the session, the Vitology session, like sort of started. Um, but yeah, I, I've always liked it. It's like it's it's just a nice, fast little little burner that like you know it hits its mark and it's it's fun. I think I, I think I've seen it at least once live because I remember being surprised because I don't know whether do they play this very much. Um, I've seen this. Nine times, same as okay. same as not for you, um, and 180 in total. Okay, which uh, isn't heaps. Um, actually, the first time was uh, in Newfoundland, of course. <laughs> Shout out to my newfies. Newfies, oh newfies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's so this site. I'm gonna shout out uh, livefootsteps.org. It's so good. Um, okay. It's got like a percentage, I think, for the. Your chance of seeing it, <laughs> fucking Pearl Jam fans. You've got a one in four chance of seeing them play this song live. You are a bunch of nerds. I'm sorry. Hey man, that. it's just stats, okay? <laughs> Americans like the statistics. If you're gonna, oh, if you're gonna oh, put together a website, do it right. 
Oh man, I always remember. Is that the one? No. What's you the one? The Five Horizons. Like the... Yeah, Five Horizons. Yeah. Yeah. Those. Have you met those people? No, I, I don't. I bet you have. I mean, not that I know of. Maybe. Well, I'm sure that every every show. There I'm is. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's Stone. So, <laughs> there is a very douche. Let's just just quickly. I know we've already covered this, but there is a very douche esque Pearl Jam community, but it is a very very large community. So there is many different segments to it you've got like you stoner dude bros with the backward hats you've got the boomers who are now older and wiser and then you've got me and i don't know where i fit in but it's, I, it's not all <laughs> i'm a boomer yeah, i think so <laughs> um well, let's, at least we can all agree that we're not tool fans that's the main thing yeah. um so next one we've got our first sort of uh like we didn't really sort of touch on this um at the start but this album's very experimental in ways because it's got these like tracks that are like just these little sort of interstitials um, before um, our songs. And the first one we got here is Pry 2. Um, and now this one, I think, if you'll give me a minute, I think yes. I'm allowed to play this. Okay. It's coming. Is it? Oh, wait. Cut that out. No, it's not coming. I'm on Bluetooth. Where are you even Bluetoothing to? All right, let's start this again. Um, this thing I should be allowed to play and we won't get sued, but okay. hopefully they don't have Google alerts on the word sued. So that is prior to in reverse and the long theorized opinion that he was saying how Pete Townsend saved my life. Oh, really? That's... Yes. <laughs> I was like, I could hear the start. I'm like, well, that's definitely prior to, but like in a weird way. That's um, the David Lynch version. <laughs> Very good, Ben. I like that. <laughs> um because like yeah, like cause the actual lyrics in the the normal version is um P R I V A C Y, um, yep. so like is that oh man, so I I can't find if I mean it's got to be intentional, I don't think he's ever said it is, because P R I V A C Y is priceless to me yeah that makes sense, but I don't know how it's come to be that the reverse might sound like Pete Townsend saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, hats off to the people who did that and um, you know inadvertently could have um, summoned Satan but didn't so that's awesome <laughs> handy man <laughs> don't um, yeah, there's, um, not, we've got... there's not really a lot to say about Pry 2 no it's no, just a weird um, weird choice to have and again along with Tremor Christ to me sums up what this album is about but we'll start getting that so like um, especially No Code would um, would continue that a little bit and like you know maybe like, like Red Dot on um, yield as well um, but uh, let's get on to uh, Corduroy because man um, banger <laughs> now this song 
along with Better Man, amongst the Pearl Jam community, so many people used to say they hated the production of Corduroy and Better Man. Now, I can only find the remastered version on streaming services, yeah. so I couldn't properly compare, but I don't actually know what they're talking about. I think it's fine. Like, I, I do like a... Um... I do like a live version better, but like, um, only because like I'm, I'm not a big fade in, fade out. Yeah, <laughs> I and I don't like it. When I was a kid, I thought that's what people meant. It's like, do you not like the little two second intro? Is that is that what you mean by production? When I was making albums, like or records, like whatever, like with um bands, and they're like, oh, maybe we should have fade out. I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll never be on an album that does a fade out. Um. But yeah, uh, corduroy is is. I mean, if you don't know, it's it's basically just about how Eddie um, feels like. You know, people are basically taking taking piece, taking to pieces sort of thing. Um, his corduroy jacket he found that he wore quite a lot was being sold for seven hundred dollars on a on a um, in a department store. Um, I also like the fact that um, the, we should talk about the booklet just quickly. Um, that goes along with Vitology is amazing because they've they've used this the, the actual book. There's actually is a, is a book called Vitology, which is about like health practices and, and life and all that stuff. But it's like in the 18th century. And it's very very expensive if you find it nowadays. There's one in Adelaide, yeah. and I think it's like five hundred dollars. Yeah, I saw the same, I was in the same one. Um, uh, I actually saw there used to be a second hand bookstore on uh, Grenville Street, and I walked in there and they had Vitology like in a glass cabinet. And I was like, ah, oh, ooh, $500. Okay, no, I'm not buying that. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying that for, for shits and giggles. Um, but they use some of the old text from that, but then also they've put stuff like, so for Corduroy, um, and it's like, you know, this is an, another thing of like, they didn't put the actual lyrics for a lot of these songs in there, which is annoying. Because back, back, <laughs> back in the day, like, it's like, I just want to know what he's saying. Um, but for Corduroy, it's his, it's his dental um, x-ray, I believe. Like actually his x-ray? Yeah, actually, his X-ray because oh, I think cool. it actually says Eve or something. Like that. It's like you know, I I assume from that I always thought like you know you know this is you've actually got in, in me inside and out now, um, which I found was quite, that's that's how that's what I took from it anyway. Yeah, the corduroy is um, also really fun to play um, guitar. There's a really really good acoustic version that's um, around too that I uh, that I love. Um, but yeah, it's probably this along with not for you. Uh, just uh, my favourites when I first listened to this album. So, yeah. I feel like this had already been overdone when I started listening to it. I don't know how, but it, it felt kind of like Black and Better Man, but not as sincere to me. There was just something about it that always, maybe just the guitar part. Um, it's a little bit rearview mirror, a little kind of kind of boring. Um, it's a, It's a great song. I do love it. But as far as, you know, if we were to rank them, which I guess we will be at some point, <laughs> it just, it, same as Insignificance again, like it just seems to lack that thicker sort of punch to it. Stop stop slamming on Insignificance, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, it's, it happens every now and then with an Eddie song. And you can tell when Eddie's written this song because no one else, and I guess this is what, this is what they're talking about when they said it wasn't very collaborative, that the other guys don't really come in with much to add to it. And I don't know if because they weren't allowed or if they didn't know how to or if it just all came together so quickly that they didn't get a chance. But every We've now seen and then a snapshot get... of that in um, single video theory with um, when they're talking about um, Wishless with Stone. With the Ebo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then 
Yeah, and 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 he's like, oh, you just doesn't he say like you just have to explain yourself better or something like that? Yep. And then and Eddie's like, yes, I do. Um, but <laughs> I feel like that was like that only happened after like a serious argument. And the same vein happened, like in biology and no code times. So, like, and like, this is why this is why I think Stone's a bit of a prick because I reckon he's like he's the sort of person that won't forget stuff and just like every so often just like like twist the knife a little bit. <laughs> and I think there's I don't know if there's resentment amongst them, but I'm quite sure they haven't gone through therapy because again, it just shows I think they've just left everything in the past and they've just moved on it and forgot about it. But like, like with, with Jeff, with that Dead Kennedy thing, like you know, they are all accomplished musicians who, like you know, are great players in their own right. Um, and then they're like, you know, this album they feel like they've just been demoted to like backing band or like you know the chords aren't. Is is they're not like these songs aren't as as tricky as like you know, Deep or um, um yeah. Garden and even Violent stuff. But like, I don't know, like you know, where, at what point do you go? Well. Do you want to be a technical band or do you want to be a band that like, you know, is getting the message across? And, it's and like, that's that's what's really noticeable on this album though. And yeah. that's what I mean about 80 songs. You they the individual songs stand out so much more in this. Yeah. And I wonder I wonder as we go along whether you, we start seeing those like the it become more of an Eddie like those those simpler songs because I reckon like in No Code and, and uh, Yield they start going back to those sort of things, but we'll we'll see. Um, next, we've got bugs. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever. Um, I think I've listened to bugs like on purpose once or twice, and then most of the time it's like I've got like a quarter or halfway through it, and it's like uh, I, I, I look. It's funny, but I'm not sure if it's that funny. <laughs> I actually kind of like it. Yeah, I bet you do. It's it's a good story. Um, I've never seen it live. I think they've done it once. What's the? Do you know what the backstory is? Of what isn't it just they needed a track, or is like what's the? Um, the all I've read about is they thought it would be fun just to break things up a bit and just have something goofy and light in there. And I think Ed wanted to use his accordion. Do you reckon they or he? <laughs> uh he. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine Jeff going. Yeah, okay, man. You should go do that. Yeah, it's very good. Very high voice, Jeff. Yeah, he does. <laughs> that um that hey hey it's Saturday interview. Oh my god! So yeah, Ben's just him trying to talk. Hey hey it's Saturday interview with um Jeff and Eddie, um where Eddie cuts half his shoe off and then repairs it with um duct tape, and doesn't say a word. Um, oh, I think he might mumble something. He's clearly um, doing his best effort of being completely, you know, just avoiding the entire situation. I like how I'm Jeff purposefully Jeff, just gonna ignore you guys. And Jeff very rarely even looks at him. He's just like, that's like he's done this before. He's like, oh, Eddie's doing his shoe thing again. <laughs> or, they, or they went into it and they're like, who's gonna talk this time? And Eddie's like, I'm gonna play with this tape, and you see if they notice and just act completely natural. And he's like, everybody's looking at him. He's like, don't look at him while he's doing it. He'll just encourage him. <laughs> don't make him angry. Um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll chuck a bit up on the on the Instagram, but yeah, de- definitely check out the full um, thing because it's it's quite a thing. Um, uh, it did not endear um, my dad to him because I think my dad saw it and he's like, "Oh, he's a bit of a dickhead," and it's like, you know, I think, um, yeah, Pete, like, and like, you know, he wasn't trying to get people to like him, but I think that sort of way that he conducted those interviews. Um, also, you've got 
Australian white saviour Daryl Summers making fun of him. So clearly, you know, we should all make fun of him too. I hate that show so much. <laughs> in in their defence, Molly Meldrum is really, really... He does his best with it and tries to defend them and just say how great they are. So... Kudos. The thing is, like Molly Meldrum, yeah, and that's the only thing is that you you will you will have to in like encounter some hey hey it's that day um, <laughs> if you want to watch that interview. Uh, let's not go on. Let's not go because like I, I can't. I could go on for ages. How much I hate that fucking show. Um, let's go on to instead um, Satan's Bed, um, which is kind of like hey hey it's that day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a song that used to be called um, Already in Love. Uh, it's a Stone song. I think it's the first Stone like, and this this is the thing. Like we've been talking about how like Stone Jeff wanted to sort of keep things like like in verses, but then anytime Stone was given the chance to like then write a song by himself, there were routinely not the worst on the album, but not the best. Um, and like I I you know Exhibit B would be Mankind, but like this one's actually not too bad. I think because hang on, hang uh, on, what are you trying to say about Mankind? We'll get there. Don't worry. Um, Satan's bed is a. I I, I find it really cool. Like, it's actually really um, fun to hear. I don't think I've ever seen it live, but I've I've heard it live a few times. And when it gets far, when it's faster, it's it's a, a really good song. I think the tempo on the album is like a little bit too slow. Um, it's very fun to play. So um, once you get that riff going, I don't think that it's too slow. It's just it's all weirdly timed. It's it honestly sounds like they just Stone came in with this riff and they just did it. They should. This it reminds me of a B side, like it, and not not and not in a way of of saying that this this shouldn't be on the album. It's just that um, when you've got like uh, Eddie saying, "I won't suck Satan's dick" um, in one of the uh, chorus, uh, one of the verses, um, it's like it, it sort of belongs next to like Dirty Frank and. Um, and and that sort of stuff, I think. But like, not to say that like I don't. I actually really like the song. I find it very funny. Um, I th- I think Eddie has a lot of fun with it. Uh, have you ever seen this played live? Uh, we both should have seen this played live, I believe. Oh no. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I've seen it once, and it was here in Adelaide. Was that Big Day Out? No, it was one of the two nights in 2006. I think I was both. I was thinking I was there both times. Uh, you, oh, you I do not. I, I do not remember. Okay. Um, there was this guy who was doing the tour called Jim. He was from Adelaide. And both nights he held up a sign for a song. I'm pretty sure he asked for I Believe in Miracles, and I think he got it. And the second night he asked for Satan's Bed, and he got it. Is this the Rats tour, too? We never had the picture of Rats? No, that was 09. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure I would have been there both nights. For the, but, oh, hang on, 2006. I don't even remember. Um... That was the entertainment center. Did you? Uh, so, are you a fan of the song? Or um, I don't know. It's again. It for me. It's it sits below Tremor Christ for sure. On yeah. on weirdness. Well, above it on weirdness. It's just another one that just feels empty and rushed, and it just sums up this album for me. That none of it feels complete to the point that they wanted it to be. Like it's a good yeah. fun song. It's silly, but it's just should have been a B side. Yeah, I feel like they could have done better. I, I don't. Think, I, I don't know. know whether there's any B sides from this um recording session because I think they. Well, I don't know what we mentioned at the start, but like they kind of recorded this on tour like all over the states. So like 
there was no one big session. I think there was like a few sort of like sessions of three or four songs, but I don't know whether there's like a lot of actual B-sides recorded. I, was, I, was, I, I meant to have a look through the Lost Dogs um, notes to see if um, anything came from that, but I think they it did. Um, they re-recorded Hard to Imagine along with right. these, but that was already kind of around, so it doesn't count. Yeah, because I remember there was, a, there was a few with no code, but um, no, nah, not so much for these ones. So, And this also I, was the song with the drum track, and then I think Dave's drum tech ended up doing the drums for it on the day. Oh, it's true, yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, I should have got him when uh, Matt Cameron came. <laughs> how, much, how much of that sucked? They didn't get Dave, they get his drums. <laughs> Which again just adds to the emptiness in the song because you're missing Dave's splashes and crashes and bashes yeah. and bashes. Yeah. Um, let's go on to uh, Better Man. Um, I I still delight in the fact that um, okay, so I was in a hairdresser's once, and I was getting my hair cut, and a couple of other people were in there, and um, the the organ at the start starts up. <laughs> Like, cause usually they cut back. So at the start of Better Man, on if I told you, if you had known, which you would, there's like a there's an organ intro to it. And most radio DJs, I'm pretty sure, just start either either have a radio edit where it's not in it, or they just mm. don't. They they cut it they cut it so it's like you know right on on time for the guitar coming in. Yep. This one didn't, and this was like Triple M or something like that. And they're like, <laughs> I remember like the lady cutting my hair. She's like, oh, what's this? Oh, don't I don't like this. And, and then the went, guitar starts, ee. and then the guitar starts, and she's like, "Oh, oh!" And I sort of said to her, "I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's on the album." Um, like they do that little thing. And she's like, "Oh, well, I, I wouldn't do that." <laughs> and I was just like, "It just made me." It always makes every time I hear the start of this song, it always makes me think of her. Just um, yeah, just just. Oh no! Just get just do the song. Just get to the just, song. They should just get her to review the album. It's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> don't like that um so yeah i'm not sure what the um what the intro is all about like the the organ intro i don't know what's what's whether there's anything behind that i, I had a look around and couldn't and the only the only responses i could see were on the uh pearl Jam community boards and i was not going to go onto that <laughs> <laughs> so well i think it's because um so yeah i, uh, I think it's my interpretation would be it's a deflection um because they had this song for a long time and uh, there was probably some apprehension about recording it and releasing it because of his connection with it. And he thought, I you know, think- I'm going to... Like uh, Johnny Greenwood did on Creep with that guitar slashing sound, like just to try and ruin it. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to deflect for a minute. Maybe people will just skip the song if I do this. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, this, this was the time where um, bands started to try and mess. They'd have like an, uh, maybe a song on the album where they try to mess with like... Radio, um, uh, love him or hate him, no effects had this song called Please Play the Song on the Radio, which is quite jangly and quite a fun song and would be very radio friendly. And then they do this little pause in the middle <laughs> and then it starts back up again. Like, and it's usually like, they're like, oh, it's just in case they, they'd start their segue. And that's just, that's the part that's got the most swearing in it. And it's, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I always think of like how many people got, 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 um, got taken out by that so uh yeah look you know what can you say about better man that we don't haven't already said or know before um i think it's one of the um like you could argue that it's not so much 
the best part of Pearl Jam's history, but a, but a necessary part. Because I think if you don't, even if you don't like the song that much, you can't mistake how much he seems to believe it every time he plays it. And that's yeah. why I, I I believe he always gives us all. And I think every album of theirs has or needs one of these songs. And it's the Eddie song that stands out and they do come together with. And it, yeah. like Corduroy, I'm not, I'm not ragging on Corduroy, but it has that, to me, it has an emptiness to it. Better Man doesn't. Right, bad. <laughs> Better Man doesn't feel empty to me. No. That's my point. No, it's, um, and uh, I think uh, everyone's, because I, this is the thing, like, and I don't know how like they are behind the scenes, I, but I know about being in a band. And when you write a song, and you play it and you write it and you, you you sort of nurture it and add new bits to it and add a solo to it and add lyrics to it and stuff. When all those things are like popping, like when, when you have this song, regardless of whether like other people like it or not, like you like you can feel it in the recording and in the room and all that stuff. And then when you play it live and then like you see other people like responding to it. It's you know, I think bands do know when they've got lightning in the bottle and I think they knew all along they had this song that was just going to be amazing and I think you know Mike's Mike's solo is just amazing it's, it's not it's not like technical but it fits and I think just everyone is on for that song so yeah yeah it's that rare occasion where everything just falls together exactly there's no there's no way for me you would improve this song there's nothing you can add or take away yeah this is everything where it Everything in its right place. Yeah. There's two Radiohead references in one episode. Take that. Okay. <laughs> like, I'll edit them out. It's fine. <laughs> um, then we've got uh, A. Davanita. Um, I always get this one. I always... Yeah. Um, I, was, I don't know the origins of this one. Again, um, I looked it up and it's like, Pearl Jam Community Balls. I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't want to go on that. I did see him one... Um, article about the album someone called this song a palate cleanser yeah which i think is the best way to look at it or think about it because it's i i wouldn't put it in the same box as bugs or prior to it's not weird and pointless and annoying it's and it's Have so good it live? um i don't think they've ever performed it live but they used to do it as like an intro you know like the master slave thing Oh, yeah, cool. Yep. have it playing before they come out. Um, according to livefootsteps.org, no, they have not played it live. <laughs> ah, okay. Nor have they prior to, but I'm pretty sure they've played Bugs. And it's saying oh, yeah. they haven't. Because that wasn't that one of the big ones at the the three-day at the Gorge? Uh, yeah, so they've done that. Yeah, they've done Bugs three times. This website's lying to me. Um. Yeah, I... Uh, uh, this this song I I find quite soothing and like I you know maybe maybe they should chuck it in like as a you know I I, was, I always thought like it might have even been like a um an outro to daughter you could even probably chuck something in but yeah um or uh, just an intro to anything like if they did this before immortality like come back for an encore start doing this into immortality oh yeah oh yeah um. Have you noticed, like, the I've seen some of the set lists from their last shows, they don't seem to be going as long. Like, I no, know, they're not. And I, they seem to be doing, like, you know, 20 song. I don't know, but it's like a more of a like a COVID thing, or like, I don't know, but it's like a band's health thing. And, like, they don't, 
like I kudos for them for doing a lot of songs off the new album too. Like they're doing like about five of them like a night, which I was surprised about. Like because then you're coming back into like you know they, they could just basically play the hits and maybe like one song off there and it'll be fine. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very curious about it. I don't know if they've said why. The, I get recently Matt Cameron hasn't been there. They've had a fill in. Yeah, but it's very odd, and you don't want to be snobby about it. I no. mean, I remember going to shows. Back in not back in the day, back in my day when it was between twenty five and thirty five, and yeah. you'd think, man, if I got thirty five songs, that's amazing. But it might be thirty hits, and you're like, it's not that good a show. But, yeah. And then you might see them only do twenty four, and like, this is the best twenty four. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it I mean, I'd, 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 I'd say weird. once they once they start doing like once we you know hopefully um, get back to some sort of uh, type of normal um, and they start doing like longer winded tours maybe like they'll start sort of chucking more on the thing but like I mean and I'd say that they're old but then the Stones were playing pretty long shows and they're well, a lot they, older and it also got COVID too so like maybe it's like a you know it's just like there's there's all sorts of factors sort of coming into it sort of thing like yeah you know but, if you're um, struggling just let Stone sing mm-hmm. let Stone sing so going into Immortality, uh, <laughs> the last, um, I would say, you know, proper song of the album, um, I, you know, um, just actually like, just skipping ahead, like the Hey Foxy Mopper No Mama, um, That's Me, like, I understand that, you know, a lot of people sort of love that sort of thing, song, but I I do, I, I've never probably listened to it the entire way through, like the, like, e- ever. You should. And I think Immortality, I think, is a way... They could have just finished the album, and that's fine. Like that's, and I know that's like a not a core fan thing to say, but like immortality is the perfect closer to an album, like with 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 indifference and and, and that sort of thing. If, anyway. if stupid mop is going to be there, um, yeah. So let's finish on immortality and get stupid mop out of the way first. That okay. should have been a secret track if it's going to be on there. Yeah. If you're going to have it, don't have it as its own track. Have it if people want to find it. Having said that, there is like a decent musical aspect to it if you get far enough through it. Yeah. Because yeah, I no, didn't I, used to I, listen to it because the start is very, very creepy. And now that I know that these are psychiatric patient recordings, yeah, it's even yeah. creepier. I just thought he recorded it off some weird TV channel. But it's, uh, it is quite disturbing and what they're saying. But I find they're... it just a bit too... Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just not... And I've never been like I'm. I'm I'll never be like a poster child for um, experimental music. Like uh, I have plenty of friends who've tried to get me into like um, noise core and or it's even like hardcore and stuff like. That. Like I'm a I'm a pop guy. Like it's I've always has been. And like you know, <laughs> half my struggle throughout my musical life has been reconciling with that and being okay with that. <laughs> and I'm okay with it now. I wish I'd come to that reconciliation like way sooner. And just like no. I like things mostly in four four time, and I like it when they when I can tap my foot, <laughs> and I'm, and you know what I'm okay with that. I don't have to be avant garde. I don't have to like that sort of stuff. It's just my choice. Um, so to that, I'm like, yeah, it's it's never gonna be something that I'm like gonna delve into and 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 want to get to know because it's just like it's just not on my radar. Yeah, it's it's weird for the sake of being weird. I feel like along with bugs. Yeah, yeah. and again, just another. Another reason Vitology is the weird album. Yeah. So like I can even get into like and you know, we'll cover it in ninety six, but you know, I'm open, I can 
get into more than this because I, I I'm open. I think has more of a um a form to it sort of thing. Um, but yeah, this yeah. is just uh, yeah. But let's talk about immortality. Um, widely seen as a song about Kurt Cobain. Um, uh, I think uh, it's. I'm, I'm, I think I've at least seen it once. I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Um, you have because I played it at uh, the first Adelaide show in '06. If you were yeah. there, so it's just. It's one of those songs where I and I, I can always go back to it and just. Um, I know the lyrics. Back of my hand, I I know the the feel of the song. It's it's very fun to play, it's very fun to listen to, but it's also very somber. Um, definitely one that I can't. It does affect my mood. This one, this song, <laughs> I think it would like if I was if I'm in a already sort of meh mood, it's gonna make me even meh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's brilliant. Um, what's what do you think about immortality? Uh, again, it's one of those ones. If the meaning like uh, what was. There was another song that I thought had different meaning to it on verses. I can't remember now. But yeah, again, uh, widely being speculated is about Kurt. Eddie said it's not, but is he just saying that? Is it maybe? Regardless, I mean, you I've, have I've, that I've, attachment I've, to it. I saw like um, I I only only recently found that out. By the way, like I oh. I never I never knew that it was it was about that. Like I'd never sort of like looked into it as much. Um, like some people were saying last exit is about Kurt too. So it's like, you know, um, it's all about sort of how you sort of take those, um, those lyrics and sort of how you perceive them sort of thing. But yeah, this one, I, I never even never thought it about, it was about, um, Kurt. I, I don't know what it was about, but I, I found it very, very good. So I think a lot of people jump to that assumption because of the line cigar box on the floor. Oh, and this okay. came out, uh, what, six seven months after Kurt had died right so everyone just assumes like oh the timeline fits he says cigar box what are the chances uh, it's weird for Eddie to say it's not I don't know if the chance of it is about him and he just doesn't want to own up to it because everyone's made that assumption so he's just being a dick about it yeah um or if he just doesn't want to completely give away that yeah that's what it is or maybe there's just odd lines that he took inspiration from that moment yeah, uh, it's you know, it's and it's like and it's it's for him, so it's like. For but it's, it's an it's an incredible song. It's, uh, I you'd put it up there with, yeah, indifference, um, release, mm. around the bend, all those yesterdays. But this one stands out as so much more than those. I also and being like, an Eddie song of, as well, yeah. it's it doesn't feel like just an Eddie song. This feels like no. a Pearl Jam song, but it's clearly Eddie-driven. There's a dark and lightness to it that I've always liked because it starts off in like a, it's like a, um, like a C minor, like it's a, it's a very sort of dark chord, and like the like all the all the chords they use out between it <coughs> are very minor sounding and and very dark. But um, the last little bit is like an A minor, A major, like it's actually like a kind of bright. It kind of the the last little outro bit, uh, the coda to the song, is not the same as the rest. It's actually kind of brighter. It kind of feels a bit hopeful, and that's how I've always perceived the song. Is that the start the start is like dark, 
Yeah. And you're building through it and you're building through it. I feel like it's like a grieving process and that's like, you know, obviously like you, that's where you get immortality from. So like, you know, you start off in a very, very dark place and then as you go through the song with a change of tempos, change of like everything else, then at the end, it's like this, this nice little sort of ding, 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 ding. And, it's and just... then how frustrating uh, those moments where he doesn't say immortality and you think he is. <laughs> There's just silence. Um, yeah, so that's that's how I sort of always perceived it, and um, which I think you know stands to reason why it should be like just they should have just left that as the last track. But and that's oh, okay, man. Mike in this song, I know it's <laughs> oh, it's that, very um, much Cortez the Killer, and yeah. I'd say he knows that he's ripping off Cortez the Killer, but it's so good. I think also, Eddie even was as well. Never even never never um, will ever be like a lead guitarist, but like a couple times I've nailed that solo, and it's you feel like on top of the world so <laughs> um so that's that's the track listing um now we are going to do our usual um top five of the album uh, do you need a moment to uh to work out yeah do you, do you need a moment or... no nah, i'm good you're good i'm good yeah me too all <laughs> right so you go first uh my number five is very disappointing i mean <laughs> Look, I feel like there's four great songs on this album. So number five is a pick of the rest of them. Okay. And I'm going to go with Whipping. Okay. Because it's it's hard, it's fast, it's fun. It's just, it's a quick, easy... It's what Dissident should have been. <laughs> <laughs> um, or just shouldn't be there at all. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go and like, it's purely for my, uh, nostalgic, um, annoyance of the, of the first, uh, 10 seconds of this track, but I'm going to go to the last exit. Um, if they didn't do the noodling at the start, you'll be way up the list, <laughs> but this is for, this is for every time I had to, uh, had to press pause and try and time in those drums <laughs> on my mixtapes. <laughs> so yeah, last exit is my number five. I'm um, I'm actually giving last exit my number four. It's it's it could be higher because it's such a good song, and sadly only this week did I discover the opening line to it. Lives open and trashed. Look, Ma, watch me crash. I always got the watch me crash bit, but yeah. I'd never like thought to look up what he's actually saying because it always like happens look so ma, quickly. Look, ma, look, look, ma. <laughs> I like that. It's pretty funny, but. The lyrics to this song, I don't think we really went into it very well, but it's it's a very good commentary on like what's happening in their lives at that time. Um, yeah. I, I could give it number one if there wasn't other better songs on here. There's actually quite, quite a lot of bands that use their first track as like um, a State of the Union address of like what the band was going through at the time. Like We'll get to some of the other ones like later on, but like... I found it very interesting in the '90s and even sort of going into the 2000s. But like, yeah, they always have like one song, usually very much at the start, saying like, it, "Some some of them is like, you know, um, this last year we." <laughs> and they would, I don't know whether it's just like they needed to like the record company's like, oh, "What are you up to? <laughs> Say it in a song." <laughs> <laughs> um, my uh, number four is Tremor Christ. Um, oh, haunting, haunting, beautiful, and just um, yeah. When I also when I learned how to play it. I remember I was in high school and um, I found I think it was actually more of a cheats way to play it. There's like there's, a, there's like a full blown chord that you can do, but I couldn't do that. So I sort of found like a way to do it that sounded just like it, 
<laughs> and um, I, I was doing it in my mate's face, and he's like, oh, can you play Tremor Christ? And I was like, yes, I can. And yes, it's the right way. <laughs> uh, so, you know, yeah, so I think I always sort of give back to that too. I'm like, oh, you know, not not too shabby. <laughs> it is It is a fun, weird, good little song. Yeah. What's your number three? Don't judge me, because yes, I'm sure happened. this is going to be in your five. <laughs> okay. And I don't want to be ashamed for it, but Better Man is too good <laughs> not to have in a top five. I, I almost did it five, Yeah. Um. only because I feel like the radio has maybe overdone it and seeing it so many times, but it's it's such a good song. I can't... If you don't like it, it's because you've heard it too many times and it's overpopularized. That's the only reason people would not like this song. Yeah, it's an incredible yeah. song. Yeah. Um. Yeah. See. Hmm. Yes. The same. The same. Go on. Do it. No. 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 Yeah. Well, see. This is. This is. The, I was talking about how there's, there's two songs like um battling it out for a place in my top five, and it's it's this in corduroy, and mm. I, I don't I don't want to put this as my number three because I I, I think corduroy deserves it in there, but it's not going to get into my top two either. So. Oh. Um. I will say. I will say better man. Because yeah, take away everything else, it's an amazing song, and um, I believe what I've chosen as one number two um, could be interchangeable with with corduroy anyway. So it's like, um, so yeah, I know, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I know what your number two is. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna tag tag up on you, and we'll do better man as our number three. Yeah. The uh, the one thing that has annoyed me about better man in recent years, recent years being eleven years ago. When he started playing it live by himself, and he would yeah. change the melody of it, like oh, yeah. he'd change the vocal melody, <laughs> and all of a sudden you're in this beautiful little two thousand seat theatre, and no one can sing along with you. <laughs> Again, why, why did I you do that? I think it's completely on purpose. <laughs> um, I also like you know, if you've never heard the "Save It for Later" um, tag on the end oh, of it. Oh yeah, uh, it's amazing. Your number two, sir, is "Nothing Man." Nothing mad. <laughs> <laughs> Just like better man. Is it weird that better man is two words, but nothing man is one word? It's it annoys me. But go on. But uh, it's like nothing I, man is a superhero. <laughs> it, it it never stood out to me until this moment because it just it made uh, sense to me. Nothing man. It annoys me so much. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah this this song has has been with me for far too long. Uh. I've I've loved this song far too much. It's yeah, it's great. It's my lightning crashes, <laughs> but better. Okay, uh, my number two is not for you. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, it's well, I, I I said a lot about it. So it, it was it was the standout for me when I first listened to it. Um, the bass part, um, the the fuck you. It's just everything. So yeah, um, not not for you. Is... And I, I love the. The punch. So when I started seeing them live, um, the first three or four songs they would smash through. It'd always be like the hardest, fastest songs, and I thought, yeah, that makes sense because every album starts off hard and fast. Like that's what it was. Yeah. Except no code. Um, <laughs> and then I found out going to more and more shows, they let photographers come in for the first three songs, and then they have to go. So I was like, and then it started, you know, spreading around that. That was a conscious choice. They'll play the quickest songs first. So the photographers come in, get their photos, and they're gone within like seven minutes. 
and then they slow down and play the show and start chatting and easing into it. And now um, I, I don't know what's come first. Like, if do they do the fast songs on the album because that's what they're going to do live, or that's how they want to start the albums? Is it all coincidental? Is it not? <sighs> I just don't know anymore. <laughs> um, I uh, I remember something also about not for you too is that um, it's on the 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 movie hype that came out. Um, they do a they they play it in the little sort of recording studio. Um, have you ever seen hype? No, I don't think so. Hype's all about like the Seattle music scene and stuff like that. It comes out in um nineteen ninety six, I think. Um, no, but I yeah, think I did. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a um yeah, there's a, a a live performance of Not for You. Um, that was like when Eddie was like driving the van. The rest of the f- band was in the planes and stuff like that. It was just yeah. <laughs> Probably not a good time for Ah, uh, that would have been his um what was his hover hovercraft or hoverboard or his Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And that sort of um that self pollution uh yeah. radio. Yeah. The bootleg radio. Um they also played this on Saturday Night Live as one of the three songs they played and I remember that being uh, being pretty big at the time. Because um, I think that, that was like well before Vitology came out, so they basically was were playing a song that was not released on any C D on national television, which is <laughs> yeah, a lot of these songs were played, um, not just prior to it coming out, but like even in '93, they were getting, they're all getting played. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our just, number ones. Should we sync up and on on four? <laughs> okay. One, two, three. Immortality. Immortality. <laughs> oh, we're not in sync at all. How can it not be? Like, oh, imagine no. if. Yep. One of us didn't go with immortality. I was wondering what you were going to do, and I'm like, no, nah, it has to be. Like, it has to be that. Um, but yeah, it's it's just you know, what can you what can you say that we haven't already said? Um, uh, perfect end to the album, perfect song, um, and probably like one of my favorite of their entire band. And probably um, it's strangely not. It doesn't feel like a radio fin- friendly song, but it's not unfriendly. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I I don't know whether I'd um want it on the radio that much. I think no. it's like, yeah. It's always been a really weird one live as well. So I've seen it, I think, a handful of times. And it never it never quite fits in. Mm. Like, I know a few times, I think even Adelaide show, it was played in the middle of the main set. Yeah. I thought it was... um. Couple times I've seen it as like uh, um, encores and stuff, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's. It, I'm actually I'm really hoping at some point they do another unplugged set because <laughs> I think a lot of this stuff would be really good. Did they play it at that one? That one that they did, uh, Benaroya. Yeah, they would have to have played it there. I think so. It's yeah. it's been a long time since I've even looked at that. I mean, that was such a big thing. <laughs> I don't know if it was a big thing because of it being a big thing or the fact that they released like a thousand vinyl and it's now the most expensive vinyl in the world. Oh, is it? Well, not like the most, but it was, it's, uh, it's quite rare. Right. Um, but no, I don't think they did play it there. Oh, okay. Oh no, sorry. They did. Yes. Yes, it did. Of course <laughs> they did. But again, it was played mid set. Which I guess is allowed in like an acoustic style, but 
and I feel like they don't give that song the respect live that it should have. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's just like um, to them, it, it might. It's one of those ones where it doesn't seem to be as like as important to them as as important to us. Yeah, <laughs> which is weird, but um, yeah. Um, so yeah, there we have uh, we have our um, Vitology track by track, and um, you know. I'd say at some point we're obviously going <clears> to <throat> um, do the Pearl Jam albums, like rankings, lots of stuff. Ooh. Um, and okay. I'm not sure whether this one would whether this one would rank because it's uh, you know I'm not it's not the one that I I, de- I definitely go to as as the one that I chuck on in the background or like or if I want to listen to when I want to listen to a Pearl Jam album. But we've got five '90s Pearl Jam albums for your top five, so someone's yes. got to come fifth. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> People are, well, our last episode that we do um, for the nineties. Also, <laughs> um, I don't think we met, so we mentioned that this album was going to be called Life, but yes. when they changed it to Vitology and they took all the lightness from that book, I believe they had to pay two million dollars to use the likeness, and <laughs> and or no, I think there was two million for the likeness, and then it cost them like an extra fifty cents per packaging to have that weird packaging. I bet. Yeah. So this cost and, them uh, a lot of money. I mean, I'm sure they made money still, but ah, oh, yeah. this is still one of the, I think, I think the first week takings were only second to versus <laughs> at the yeah. time. Yeah. So it's like, it's imagine them just like, ah, oh, hope we beat that other bit. Ah, oh, it's versus. Okay. It's just, us. it's fine. But then they'd um, already sold 50,000 vinyl the week before it came out on CD. So yeah, they're yeah. doing all right. So, uh, if you want, you want to get in contact with us or let us know your thoughts about uh, Vitology, um, it's living in the past pod at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on um, our Instagram page and we'll be chucking a bunch of uh, Pearl Jam uh, content up there for this week. And uh, yeah, um, subscribe if you, so you don't miss out because these, these ones are little bonuses. So, um, make sure you get every single episode that we're putting out. Uh, we have a bonus for us. Is a bonus for you. <laughs> um, we've got another podcast called Do You Think I'm Spooky where we go through the X-Files two episodes at a time each week. Uh, we're on a break from that at the moment, but it's coming up, coming back soon for season two. Um, so subscribe to that one so you don't miss anything and don't miss the start of what's going to be a great little season over we'll there see. in Spooky Town. We'll see. Of one of the best TV shows that we've we'll made. That's debatable. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, until then, though, uh, we will see you uh, later on. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you once again for listening to Living in the Past. Got some awesome people to thank at the end of the show here. Andrew Golding does our music for us. You can check out his stuff at www.antigold.bandcamp.com. Rebecca Sheedy, she does our artwork. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at Mild Scribbling. Send us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. You can check out letterbox.com following PD Lumsden and check out the movies that we've been talking about this season. You can check out the music we've been talking about on the podcast by going to Spotify and searching Living in the Past podcast and then the month that you want to check out. Want to help us grow the show? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or tell your neighbour, tell your friend, tell your mother. It all helps. And until next time, as we always say, sit back, look back and relax. Thanks. Thanks.